You know what, I'm always amazed at the people that step forward to help out here. Um, we've got such a resource of people with so many different abilities. And we just give that platform for them to shine. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I would like to introduce now Stephen Mager from Portsmouth, who will be talking about science within spiritualism and its tale. Will you not, sir? <laughs> Stephen, over to you. Thank you. Well, good afternoon, everyone. I'm going to start with a disclaimer. I have no qualifications in science whatsoever. I'm a human being. I was born onto this planet with five senses to experience the external world around me until I reached the point where I realized that there's an internal world accessible through those five senses that only really religions ever talked about. And as we've gone through the, the centuries and we've seen science develop and we've developed this scientific method, we come to this point in history of spiritualism where we have a scientific method to apply to it. And the history of spiritualism, the science of spiritualism, the philosophy, you could pick one subject and you have to bring in the other two as well because the science of spiritualism is the history of spiritualism and it leads to the philosophy. The philosophy includes the history and the science. And it can all get very confusing. There's a very broad brush applied. So if we talk about the science of spiritualism, we're talking about mediumship and evidential mediumship. Science requires data evidence and the nature of evidence can be very vague or it can be very specific and we're always looking for that smoking gun so evidence can be a number of things so an example that we hear every day is there's been a burglary and a burglary there's footprints fingerprints dna evidence but there could be a million reasons why that evidence got there it doesn't prove that person committed the crime but CCTV footage with audio of them committing the crime and admitting to it at the same time, that's a piece of evidence that on its own is proof that they did the crime. Spiritualism suffers with the smoking gun. We've got all this evidence, little pieces, a lot of it anecdotal, but really we're looking for that one piece of evidence that proves positive that it cannot be denied. And unfortunately, I believe, and some people might argue with that, You'll only find that, find that smoking gun internally when you're touched by the spirit. So it doesn't matter how much evidence you're gonna have, it's your internal experience with God that will tell you whether what I'm saying is real or not. And so <laughs> for the next sort of half an hour, 45 minutes, I'm going to take you through some of my own thinking. And it's just my perspective and my experience, but having left school with very little education and um, having a life experience between when I left school and when I found spiritualism looking back I sort of I had all these experiences to look back and see where spirit were intervening in my life and there's so many different um, synchronicities that happen to a person that to you are absolute proof that there's a higher force guiding you but when you say it to someone else it's just anecdotal and in, in any sort of science, documentation beats conversation. So we've got to get it documented. The Hydesville wrappings, as you heard earlier, were documented by over 300 people. Many of them were journalists and people with scientific backgrounds. And they signed affidavits to what they witnessed <coughs> and experienced. Multiple points of reference saying that the same thing happened. And so those multiple points are lots of pieces of evidence to say that there was a phenomenon that occurred at that time. But I, I'd like to look at the evolution of spiritualism hand in hand with the evolution of technology. And we can go back to the printing press. The printing press is responsible for the Reformation because people now could translate into text the Latin version of the Bible into English and so anyone who spoke read, read, could read English now had access to the Bible even though they didn't have Latin so it was a form of technology that expanded the spiritual minds of people and it brought around about a big revolution in 
human thought. But it's not modern spiritualism as we're talking about the Hydesville Rappings. So as technology evolved, we ended up with something called the telegraph, where you could communicate through Morse code and wires using electricity. Electricity is an invisible form of light and people could communicate instantaneously through this invisible form of light using a code. And so, although the Fox sisters probably didn't even have electricity in their home, in the common collective consciousness, the telegraph existed. You could go to a post office in the nearest town and send a message instantaneously to another town using this code. And so I think it's no accident that the Hydesville wrappings were just that. People were communicating through a code and it was a really simple experiment that they did. And you can do it yourself, one for yes, two for no. So you ask the spirit world a question, you tell them one for yes, two for no, and they respond with their answer. And books have been written this way. Whole books have been almost transcribed. A, one, B, two. You, luckily there's not too many Zs in English language, but people took the, people went to the effort of actually dictating books through this form of mediumship. And it evolved and you had a lot of physical phenomena because people at the time needed it. Today, a lot of that physical phenomena can be very easily replicated using technology that we have now. But at the time, that technology didn't exist. So these physical manifestations were a little bit easier to investigate with an open mind. But I also noticed, and again, it's only my perspective, so you can look back yourself and see what I'm saying makes sense. But along came the, the radio. And as we see the evolution of spiritualism, there was more direct communication from the spirit world through trance mediums and direct voice physical phenomena. And again, as our technology evolves, the human consciousness can understand these things a lot more. I mean, the radio was invisible forces of light transmitted through the ether, through thin air, invisible to the naked eye but they could be received by something that can tune into that frequency. So people started using their mind to tune into different frequencies and we saw spiritualism grow in that way. And then along comes the television. And with that, you can see far more mental mediums. They can accept that information can be impressed on your mind in such a way that you can see and hear it just like a television show. And so there's this television show going on in your head all the time and that you can actually transcribe that to another person through mediumship. And then comes the internet. Moses might have been the first person to download from the cloud onto a tablet, but the internet shows us that there's this realm of information that's accessible through tuning into it and downloading the information from the spirit world. So technology, all it's really done is open our eyes to the truth that already existed that there are different frequencies that you can tune into and transmit from. And our minds, our brain are just a conduit. That's all it is. People like to say that it's actually producing consciousness, but it could also just be a conduit for consciousness. And the jury's still out because science can answer a lot of questions, but they ask for one miracle. Give them the Big Bang and they'll explain everything else, but they still can't tell you where that came from in the first place. And we shouldn't be com uh, combative with science as spiritualists. We should work with it in harmony. But the problem with that is that science is going to be biased depending on who's paying the scientist. Um, and it's in our history of spiritualism, the bias has always been an issue. Spiritualists are biased naturally because we have had that experience and we're trying to prove ourselves right. Those who were opposed, they did it on behalf of the public, trying to protect them from charlatans or people who, who weren't qualified to speak. But as time went by, a lot of those scientists were so convinced by the phenomena, despite the rigorous scientific um, boundaries they put on it, that they actually said, no, this is genuine. And they threw their careers out the window. I'll come to a few of them again later on. But then I asked myself, where's this technology going? And what's it gonna mean for, for mediumship, for expanding the human consciousness to understand? 
And um, we only have to look at the internet. In 1969, I think it was the 28th of September, Princeton University and the US military created the first internet connection between two computers. 20 years later, Tim Berners-Lee gave us the World Wide Web in 1989. And then in 2009, something happened. There was this explosion in social media because of the smartphone. Suddenly everyone had a smartphone in their hand and everyone was on Facebook, um, MySpace, I think that's gone now, isn't it? Twitter and all these platforms. And there's a gentleman in the States called Ray Kurzweil. He's a futurist. He predicts technology and he's extremely accurate. And he believes in the year 2029 is what he calls a singularity. When the human being and the technology will merge and the phone will no longer be in our hand, above the hand, it will be under the skin. And a lot of people are fearful of this. And um, they're fearful of technology outsmarting the human being. Because if you look at how memory um, grows in phones, it goes from one to two to four to eight, 16, 32, 64. And then it, instead of megabytes, it's gigabytes. Instead of gigabytes, it's terabytes. And they believe that technology will outstrip the waking human consciousness. Well, I mean, my phone's cleverer than me already, so that's fine. But that internal connection to the God force, nothing can outstrip its creator. We created the technology, but the spirit within us is unlimited. So I've got no fear of technology overtaking the human being. All I think it's going to do is wake us up to a higher understanding and wake everyone else up collectively. So we've got no fear over this technology this singularity, artificial intelligence, because the cosmic intelligence in every single human being is accessible through the mind. And I trust that life is gonna go on to evolve us more spiritually. The stronger the science gets, the stronger our ability to understand these unseen forces will be. So that's sort of my disclaimer. But the, the, the phenomena of spiritualism, it was quite right that the Society of Psychical Research was created in 1882 because they wanted to understand what this phenomena was doing and where it was coming from. Now we can answer so many questions. We can answer who did what, where, when and how. But we always want to know why. You can answer those first five questions, but ultimately you'll never answer why because why takes us back to why are we even here? Where do, you know, why did existence come into creation? So it's a fool's errand to try and understand why. But we can know who did what, where, when and how. Science can answer that. You can measure it with a stick, basically. But spiritual phenomena that has been um, attested to by the Society of Psychical Research keeps being dismissed by the media. It's been proven in the, the laboratory and you can, you can go back and read the journals of the Society of Psychical Research and see that for yourself. It's been proven in court through several different trials, including Helen Duncan. And every time it gets to the point where spiritualism comes up, the case gets dismissed so it cannot be recorded in history. But there has been precedent set in British law and other laws that recognises mediumship as a reality. It's only the media that wants to make a laughing stock of it. Because when you remove the fear of death, you remove a lot of fears. And then they can't get you, can they? Because they need your fears. The, the news, uh, insurance companies. Who's going to go out and pay for all those insurances when they're not that scared of dying, you know? But, you know, to, to get to the point, science is extremely important because when it comes to spiritualism, if you can actually get someone to understand there's a tangible reality to spirit then it opens their minds up further and um, a simple lesson in dousing for the energy around a person when someone who has never done dousing before never read an aura or seen one and they are suddenly made aware with physical tools that there is actually this energy field around each human being our personal space that we call it it opens their eyes to the possibilities and the Society for Psychical Research has investigated so many different areas of this subject, psychical, mediumistic and energy research. 
and their conclusion is that it's real, that there is a bias in the, the media especially to laugh it off. And so we're, we're steered away from the science quite deliberately. In the beginning, the burden of proof was on the mediums. The mediums had to prove that they were in touch with a higher power. All these years later, we've got all this evidence and the movement of spiritualism has done a lot of good and very little bad. That should be enough. That's enough to shift the burden of proof now onto the scientists. Prove that we're wrong. Not that we're, we're charlatans. Prove there's no spirit world and there's no communication between the two worlds and prove why it shouldn't be done. Spiritualism is a great example of how good it really is. That spirit communication changes lives by helping the bereaved, but also showing you in your in internal being that you are spirit and you've got nothing to fear. A lot of the people who did in, um, get involved with the Society of Psychical Research threw their careers out the window. And we can talk about a lot of very, very noble scientists, Sir Oliver Lodge, Sir William Crookes, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Many of them had lost children during World War I, and so they were dismissed straight away as being biased, even though they were men of science, men of medicine. And they, despite their prejudices and their biases, they still applied what they knew to their investigations. And you can look back at their research and see that they, they did exactly what they were supposed to as scientists. But Sir William Crookes didn't lose anyone. He was quite against spiritualism to begin with. But Sir William Crookes should be on a, a banknote, the amount of science that he's put forward over the years. He continued, even after his first investigations into spiritualism, he continued to develop the cathode ray, find new elements on the periodic table, and people revered him as a great scientist, but they all said, as soon as he got home, he became a moron, easily susceptible to charlatans and mediums and frauds, which just wasn't true. And many years later, when he was, you know, he'd been taking 30 or 40 odd years of abuse, whilst also being one of the most prolific scientists in the land, in the world, and they still hounded him, do you honestly still believe in spiritualism? He goes, not only do I believe it's a reality, I can add much to my earlier opinions and facts. And we can, we, we're sort of at a dilemma in spiritualism because if the science isn't going to be accepted, even though it's there, then all we can really do is be more spiritual and less scientific about it. And I think that's probably the way forward is to just focus on what we do and do it really well rather than trying to convince everyone because we've got the, the weight of evidence to back up what we're doing. In, in, in England, we've got a nice long history of the science, but it's, it's also found in France and many other places. So in spiritualism, we use words like clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience, and this comes from the French <coughs> research. As you heard earlier, um, the, the gentleman, his pen name was Alan Kardec, but also Charles Richet was one of the leading scientific researchers of his day. And like many of the other scientific researchers, when investigating spiritualism was put into his hands, the authorities believed that he was going to completely outright dismiss it all and prove why everyone was crazy. But instead, when he published his research, it supported spiritualism. It supported the fact that there is communication with the other side and it's quite possible. So what then happens is the opposing scientists will try to reason um, the, the, the argument against spiritualism, but they won't use science. They'll say, oh, well, it must be the devil. And that's usually what people say, oh, you're probably being tricked. There's, there's something else going on. It doesn't prove God. And spiritualism doesn't prove God. But like I say, it's those internal experiences that you have that will prove there's a God, a loving God, but it's only through your own investigations that you're going to prove that. You'll never do it through any scientific research. And again, the English, England's got a lovely history, but even today there are scientists who are championing um, scientific research into things 
like um, not just mediumistic but psychic phenomena and Dr. Rupert Sheldrake is one of those people and he calls what we call the aura a morphogenetic field and you can go online and see many interviews with him he even did a documentary on um, psychic phenomena where he's, he's he does this research all the time and you can go on his website and actually take part in some of these experiments but he was asked by television to present some of his work but they wanted him to use the Nolan sisters and so the Nolan sisters I think there's four or five of them and they talk to each other on the phone all day long so they were going to see the chances of them guessing who was phoning them because in, in this group they talk to each other every day so they asked each sister to write down who they thought was ringing and then to see who it was and one of them especially guessed correctly 80% of the time and he'd say working out, he does a better job of explaining it than me, but working out the percentages of chance compared to what actually happened, he said the accuracy was extremely high and it's worthy of more research. It's not to be dismissed. It didn't prove outright that there's this psychic communication between the sisters, but it proved that there's definitely room to research further because it doesn't, it can't be dismissed, put it that way. And again, when it comes to the weight of scientific research into spirit communication it's at least worthy of more research without being dismissed wholeheartedly now i'll talk about the evolution of technology during the 90s there was a group called the skull experiments and they met in skull in yorkshire led by a gentleman called robin foy who passed away recently god bless him and during that time they they created a, a sort of a way of working in circle with a, a scientific outlook and during these experiments there was one where they put a, a, the old school cameras where you actually had a film and they put that in the middle of the seance locked in a box I think it was and they held their seance for the evening and then afterwards the, the film was developed and apparently there was information pertaining to a spirit phone so that people could pick up a piece of technology and have a conversation with the spirit world themselves and nearly every single year I see an article about how it's one year away and it has been for a while now there's a lovely guy he does a brilliant job of explaining it Gary Schwartz I think it is and what's frustrating for people using technology electronic voice phenomena things like this is there tends to need to be a medium present a human being who's got a connection with the spirit world whether they know it or not because not every medium is aware of it there's something about the human factor and we heard about healing earlier and healing and mediumship are the same in this regard for some reason the spirit world need a conduit if we're walking around needing healing and the spirit world are aware of our need for healing and can heal us what does it take a healer or a request in the first place and again my mind was taken back to technology and science you know um, in electricity you've got volts amps and watts the volts is what's coming in the amps is the um, the fixed current the conduit and then you have the wattage whatever it is coming out the other end input process output that you need that god force input and you want that output it needs a process now I don't know why but it's something to do with the rule of three there needs to be this conduit on earth for the spirit to manifest what they want be it healing a message from the spirit world philosophy it needs a conduit so that then impresses each individual the responsibility that you not only can be a conduit for spirit you already are and so, so some people go well you, you you know it's my life i don't have to be spiritual it doesn't matter if you believe it or not doesn't matter if you like it or not it's true and that's the thing about science doesn't matter if you believe in the um evidence or not doesn't matter if you like it or not the evidence says that it's true and so in spiritualism we recognize that and we work with it uh, i've got some very loose notes here Again, when I got into spiritualism, I knew that I had something going on in my mind 
and I was quite convinced that it was the spirit world communicating with me. Some of it was great, some of it was loving and wonderful, but not all of it. And I had to have a little word with myself. You might be crazy. If you can't prove that this is real, you might need to go see a doctor, switch it off and carry on with the rest of your life. Thankfully, I don't need a doctor. <laughs> I just needed a rest, to be honest. And I found all this evidence. And you know, if there's smoke, there's a fire somewhere. And there's an enormous amount of smoke in spiritualism. You might not get that smoking gun and find or see the flames, but you know there's a fire because smoke is billowing everywhere. And that's what the evidence of spiritualism is like. It's enough to get your attention and investigate further. So I, having wanting to find out what would the scientists say to argue with me when I say the spirit world's real. Most people that I talk to will go, well, it's been dismissed. It's, it's a load of rubbish. Science has proven it. And I was like, where? I'm looking everywhere for the evidence that the spirit world's not real. I can't find one shred of evidence, but I can find loads of evidence saying that it's real. It's very, very one-sided. And I thought, well, I'm going to reassess the situation. I'm going to go back and I'm going to explore all the science that I can again and again and again. And there are some leading figures that speak regularly on documentaries and television. And I listened to the Joe Rogan podcast. It's the biggest podcast in the world. And before I came to Paul for the first time last year, I was giving talks about um, an example that people use to dismiss spiritualism. I wasn't expecting it to hear it from Neil deGrasse Tyson, one of the, America's leading scientific voices. And when it gets to this topic of psychics and mediums, he said, oh, well, that's easily dismissed because of James Randi. And James Randi was this gentleman who had a television show during the 80s and 90s where he put a million dollar prize up for anyone who could prove psychic or spiritual phenomena. And he's never paid it out and he's passed away recently. And Neil deGrasse Tyson used that as an example. He didn't give me any science. He said, James Randi's prize was never um, claimed. So therefore that proves there's no such thing. And I thought that's a bit odd, a scientist stooping to that level to dismiss mediumship and psychic phenomena. And I've, Darren Brown has been on that same podcast and he's an illusionist, just like James Randi was. And he used James Randi as an example, said, we can replicate anything a spiritualist can do using magic tricks, smoke and mirrors and illusion. But then when they asked them how they recreated the phenomena, they said, I can't tell you because I give away my secrets. But a spiritualist can't say that. We're supposed to say exactly how we're doing it and we're not sure. We just know that we've got that love connection to the spirit world and the evidence that comes can then be taken or dismissed by the person receiving the message. It's that simple. But again, I, I kept listening to these scientists and again and again, they give James Randi as an excuse. Michu Kaku was on the Joe Rogan podcast two months ago and he was, he's a wonderful speaker. He's so intelligent, puts it so simply, and he knows the literature. When he talks about a subject, he talks about what the research was, who was involved, what their conclusions were. And again, it came to the subject of mediums and psychics and he turned around and said, well, James Randi's prize was never claimed. And I was shocked that Michu Kaku also used the same example. No science whatsoever to dismiss it. Just this example where this James Randi was a, a stage illusionist. He made his money in Las Vegas and he got this TV show. It got put on the networks and it ran for many years. And what they would do is every time someone gave a decent piece of evidence they just made the goalpost bigger and moved it along and said no sorry to the point where it was never going to be accepted and it still stuns me today that this James Randi is used again and again and he passed away a few years ago and I, I know it's a little bit ill humor but I was just sat there laughing thinking about that first conversation he has when he gets to the spirit world because that's where we're all going every single one of us is going to leave this physical life and realize that we continue it that's a continuous process so why worry about the spirit world when it comes after death well we live in the spirit world science shows us that we only 
understand a very, very small sliver of the visible spectrum. That we only live in an octave and that we move on to another octave just alongside us where our loved ones already occupy. Those who have walked with us and passed over. And evidential mediumship is where those people that lived a life with us on earth communicate through a medium experiences that we had with them to convince us that it's them who's speaking. But a lot of that could just come from your own mind. If you're walking around with a name in your head, it's not that unlikely that a psychic's gonna pick that name up and give it back to you and go, wow, you read my mind. How do you know it's not mind reading and it's the spirit world? Well, evidential mediumship then goes up a notch where you ask for specific information that happened to that, um, that happened since that person passed over. So they're showing that they are aware of situations that happened after they died. And ideally, that information would not be in the mind of the person receiving the message. It'll be external to it. But that's still, that's a golden nugget of mediumship. But it still leaves a few questions. We're still not 100% sure, and we never will be. But science itself is never 100% sure. It is being rewritten every day. The science that was so concrete 50 years ago is being re-examined over and over again. And we're realizing some of the mistakes we made, whether it's in medicine, technology, or what have you. It's, it's still evolving. And whether or not we find that smoking gun that's gonna prove God, the spirit world, and all things, we may never quite find it, but you will receive more than enough and be confident that the mind of those amazing scientists is the same mind that occupies in your being that you're not that separate to it. You should have the confidence to know that you can reason um, a piece of evidence yourself. And if it doesn't stand up to your own reason, you should not accept it. You should only accept it when you wholeheartedly understand that it's first of all true, it's loving and it's useful. If it's not those three things, you don't have to accept it. Like I say, the, the burden of proof, I mean, you can, Talk to all different types of scientists on the same subject, and I'll give an example. If you ask a child what colour the sky is, they'll immediately tell you it's blue. And they're correct, aren't they? But you talk to a meteorologist, a weatherman, and they'll tell you it's actually mostly grey and overcast in England. It's very rarely blue. And then you talk to an astronomer, and they'll say, well, that's actually an illusion. The sky's all different colours at night. You've got the Milky Way, it's indigo, it's violet, it's and you've got all these different coloured stars, goes actually, the sky's not blue very often. And then you talk to a, a chemist who'll tell you, the sky's only blue because it's 70% nitrogen, and nitrogen absorbs all colours of the rainbow except one and reflects it back at you, so the sky is actually every colour but blue. The problem is, they're all correct. They're all correct in what they're saying. And then I was sat there thinking about it, and Spirit told me, ah, but the child, the child's closer to Spirit than all of them. So I sometimes look back at the, the reading I've done, the study, and it comes down to a really simple, basic truth. And Einstein said it himself, if you can't explain it to a child, you probably don't understand it fully. <laughs> and Einstein's another interesting one because us woo-woo people, we can find a lot of things in science like quantum entanglement that explains healing at a distance. And he called it spooky action at a distance. And if he's allowed to use the word spooky, I can talk about quantum entanglement. But Einstein, Sir Isaac Newton, these great luminaries of science that we turn to for our material understanding were extremely spiritual people. They knew that they were investigating God and that God was investigating himself through them and through all of us. So we have to keep that in mind. When you're doubting anything, that doubt is just an area for growth. That's an area where more research needs to be made. And again, the spirit world are guiding you on your path. And how do you know it's a good spirit or a bad spirit and all this? Because a lot of fear goes into dealing with the unknown. But this is what's so wonderful about evidential mediumship. It keeps showing you time and time again, you're surrounded by your family and your friends, that you've got the confidence to connect with the spirit world in love, that you're surrounded by this loving force and they can guide you. When your ancestors guide you, they tell you the most incredible things and what needs to be done. 
and you don't need to be guided by the front page of the newspaper. And again, I've got a few nerves going, it's fight or flight. But when you're a spiritualist, that brings out the fight in you because you can see people with an honest intention trying to grow spiritually and you see this attitude pushing against spiritualism dismissing it outright without any evidence so it gets you a little bit angry and it makes you go and do talks in Paul Spiritualist Church <laughs> and we can go back to the hierarchy of evidence CTTV footage is probably better than a footprint or a fingerprint so we need to tell the spirit world we need to tell ourselves as mediums to do a little bit better to enhance what we're doing and grow it and to make it more concrete here on earth but as much as all the science really helped cement that in me what's really important is the next generation the children they're all walking around they're, they're going to be tuned into whatever's coming and we should have no fear whatsoever but we also need to teach them that they're spiritual beings spiritualism shows that we're physical emotional mental and spiritual beings and the ancients have been teaching that a long time through the elements and the elements represent earth is your physical water is your emotional body your etheric body your mind is the air and fire is your willpower your spirit and one of the things i, I was taught very late in life is how to deal with your emotions the water aspect and science was used to point that out to me you see uh, Andre Celsius decided he wanted to measure the point water froze at and then he marked that and called that zero and then he wanted to measure where water boiled at and he marked that as a hundred we've used that scale very well to open up our understanding of the universe we know what things are made out of by the signature they leave behind and we do that in degrees Celsius or centigrade now I thought, what if you apply that to your emotions? So water is the emotions, we freeze with fear and we boil over with anger. So now you can take that scale and apply it to your internal being. And science shows us that if we add water to salt, we fortify it. It doesn't freeze so easily and it doesn't boil over so easily. Well, spirituality, spiritual healing and spiritual knowledge is that salt. It removes the fear of death. It makes you learn not to cope, you know, lose your temper so easily. And so that spirituality can be shown to a child. And you don't need a science lab, you just make them look out the window or go to the fridge, put some ice cubes in, some with salt, some without. And you'll show a child this scientific experiment. Then you tell that child, this is also happening internally. And that child will grow up with better emotional intelligence as a result with their spirituality because if heat controls whether water is a solid liquid or gas your spirit will could decide whether your mind your body and your soul are in alignment because uh, especially with the emotions the mind and the body are connected but the emotions are the conduit between the mind and the body and uh, Brian will tell you Healing only takes place when those emotional imbalances come under some sort of control, when you recognise them, when you can lose your fear and lose your ability to lose your temper. So for all the, the scientific research that I could come up with, all the names, dates and experiments that were done, basically it comes down to this, can you say it to a child and they understand what you're saying? And so hopefully that I can leave that with you. Science isn't our enemy it can be our friend it's there for us to use as an example of these higher aspects and have no fear for the technology because all it's going to do is expand our thinking exponentially the next generation are geared up to show us things that we could only dream of science is going to be a big part of that so if you're struggling to get your kids and your grandkids off their tablet off their phone just trust them trust the spirit put them there the spirit is in there inside them and you can keep it hidden you can keep it down for as long as you like it will always conquer everything else the spirit is the governor and never forget that so thank you for listening to me
anybody got any questions at all? Simon, hang on, wait your turn, Simon. Um, so a few years back I saw a, a video of uh, it was a scientist who was interested in, in uh, psychic phenomena. His name was Constantine Rordine. Have you ever heard uh, of Yes, him? I've recognised the name. And so the more he did, the more he realised that um, he was going to give up his day job and, and, and work with spirit. And then he passed away. And then he turned up all over the world at different places saying, Bear with us. What I took with me, we're working here to build a machine so you can talk to us. Yeah. But like you, <laughs> where's the machine gone? <laughs> well, it's the same as Nikola Tesla. He's supposed to have had um, a spirit radio. Um, and there's a lovely lady in Brazil. Um, the name escapes me. Sonia Rinaldi. Yeah. She's doing some fascinating work. And it seems that the powers that be are not taking her seriously because... She might have a smoking gun there. It's very interesting. Um, anyone wants to look up for themselves, I'll do a terrible job of explaining it myself. But it's it's there, and it's extremely interesting. And no one's got any contradiction to it. You know, where where where's the argument against it? I'm looking for it. If someone wants to show me a, a tangible piece of research that contradicts spiritualism, I'm more than happy to read it. But it doesn't <coughs> exist. James Randi's not a good answer, you know. The James Randi thing about fraud, fraudulent behaviour. He spent his entire life being fraudulent in yeah. one sense because yeah. he had his private boyfriend and, and never admitted it in public. Yeah. So he spent his entire burying his soul. So I'm not a fan I of that. I mean, uh, the problem is that so many instances of mediums who have made a career out of it and then they've been booked to turn up somewhere and they have to produce phenomena and they don't, so they cheat. And a good example, Eusapia Palladino is quoted as saying to the psychical researchers, tie me down properly or I will cheat. And I can only put that down to sitting in my own power with myself and having the urge spirit want to do something go through my body. And that's why when you walk into a seance room and people don't explain it very well, you see a chair with cable ties behind a pop-up portaloo or curtain and all like hula hoops on the floor, a trumpet in the middle, and unless someone explains you how that paraphernalia got there through the different scientific research that's been done over the years, it looks a bit weird. And so like, on first reflection, I was like, oh, this, these people are crazy. And then as I sort of studied it and realized, well, that slate is there because of slate writing that occurred in the um, early modern spiritualism. So a slate will be there on the floor with a bit of chalk for spirit people to write on. And you'll, you'll get these very light balsa wood toys for children to play with, tambourines. And, and this paraphernalia evolved from scientific experiment. But we kind of forget that. It's lost. And now people just do it because that's what they saw in another seance room. So they've got it as well. So it gets diluted a bit. But um, sorry, I'll, just, I'll digress from the point you were saying. <coughs> Jim. Um, just going to ask you, is when a, a, a person is born as a spirit, is, is this person, does he develop as a person or does he develop later on in years? Is a medium selected from birth or later on in developed in years? I think, um, uh, I think people naturally come to the earth with a, uh, some sort of plan in life it's almost self-evident when you've got um, not just mediums but people with uh, born with extraordinary gifts either it's music or art that then goes into reincarnation did they have several lifetimes leading up to this one it opens up so many questions and it's hard to answer that completely but the only thing I can say from being a, a young man who, who found life hard to, to, to deal with and seeing other young men especially, everyone has their season. So, you know, some people are naturally gifted from a very young age and do wonderful works. But some people need to go and build up a, a lifetime of experience before they can be useful to the spirit world as mediums. So there's so many moving parts, it's hard to answer that question conclusively. But ultimately, we believe there is a, a, a divine plan. It's beyond our comprehension. But if people are going to work as mediums in their life, 
God knows best and God will make that happen. It's you, you've just got to put yourself where that learning is going to take place and trust because it, it's too easy to just go, right, I need to direct my life, I'm going to be a medium. It was decided for you long ago and your own gifts need to be brought out and then trust spirit where they take you. But I think everyone's, especially in this time, everyone's born with some level of mediumistic understanding. And like I say, the technology around us does more to show us that there's this invisible world of information around us. And if you can't see that, then you won't see it in yourself. Sorry. Um, I'm a visitor to your church, but I would like to <laughs> fill in a few gaps, if I might. Um, first of all, the bias of academic science. Um, I'm going to mention a few names, and these are all friends, or have been friends, they know in the world of spirit. Uh, Bob Young of Princeton University a series of experiments. Now, I should explain that Bob was a professor of aerospace engineering. In other words, he was a solid engineer. And he demonstrated quite clearly that mind affects matter. As a result of his experiments, the university demoted him, closed his laboratory down, and more or less gave him the Um, in terms of healing, a different subject, um, another German scientist, Fritz Popp, demonstrated quite clearly that there is something coming from the healer's hands. Now, Popp was a scientist who showed that cells communicate through light particles, photon particles, and he was able to measure the photon output in the hands of healers compared with ordinary people. And the photon output was much greater than for healers. Um, there was an experiment done, uh, again different, um, in America, and I, I've forgotten the reference here, but it showed if um, an extra, a, a DNA sample was taken from a subject, and that subject was shown film that stimulated different emotions, the DNA would kind of unravel and reform itself. And the DNA sample didn't have to be in the same room. It could be as much as 150 miles away, and it would still pick up on the emotional changes in the subject. And finally, I'd like to mention another German scientist, a mathematician, who was credited with being the equivalent of our Stephen Hawkins. And his name was Burkhard Heim, and Heim had built a radio whereby you could sit in the room and listen to him make a conversation with his deceased father. You'd hear the father's voice come out of the radio. And one of our most famous scientists, one was the fathers of quantum physics, David Bohm, disappeared every year for two or three weeks. No one except his wife knew where he was. And it's because he'd gone on a yoga meditation retreat and he was fearful that if his colleagues found this out, they'd try and destroy his reputation. That's the theory. But, so, where William Crookes, for example, was. <coughs> He, he was a financially independent investigator. His, his inventions had earned him more than enough money that he didn't have any bosses. He was, a, he was free to continue his investigations. Um, and so many very, very great scientists have been shut down as soon as they present something that probably at, at, at worst needs more investigating. But uh, Dr. Roger Hodgson, he was the Society of Psychical Research's most biased anti-spiritualist for many years. 
and they they gave him um, mediums to research, knowing full well he was going to prove them fraudulent because his 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 way as a scientist was so concrete, and his um, boundaries for the the test results were so slim that the medium had to be so good and definitely in tune with the spirit world. And it wasn't until he came across Mrs. Lenora Piper that he finally changed his mind. But if you read Wikipedia's version of events, they go, well, he met Miss Lenora Piper and he just fell in love with her, so he accepted everything she said. And it, sim <laughs> it simply wasn't true. And you'll find this with every serious investigator who doesn't dismiss spiritualism. They said, oh, well, their eyesight failed you know their, their mental capacity was lacking but their mental capacity was still good enough for them to discover elements in the periodic table yes. but like I say with them um, William Crooks he get they, they uh, people said well he was fine until he left work and then he was an idiot you know and they'll say this about nearly anyone and the, the problem is it's media driven if, if we had by the time Helen Duncan's court trial went through in World War II. Lord Denning decided to review the Witchcraft Act and what we ended up with was the Fraudulent Mediums Act, which was an unfortunate name because it suggests that all mediumships are fraudulent, but when you understand the way law is written, if you can have a fraudulent medium, it means there's a genuine one as well. And um, there was another investigator who also said about Lenora Piper that she was the white crow you only need to find one white crow to prove not all crows are black, you know, yeah. and um, it, it, having that evidence, it, it makes everyone think, well, what about my own mediumship? Perhaps I can deepen my connection with the spirit world and be helpful to other people. So having that evidence, you know, same with science, they shouldn't be deterred. But if we can find a way to make science so that people who can research things that are unpopular with corporation we can somehow get funding and we'll change people's minds but you know I should really have put it in my talk today right now there are a lot of investigations Northampton universities working with um, the spiritualist national union at Stansted they've got a laboratory there but there are several other um, research groups going on I'm a little bit apprehensive because a lot of them seem to be leaning towards the fact that as spiritualists we're all very sensitive so therefore we're open to suggestion and I hopefully science isn't just trying to dismiss us all as easily impressionable suggestible people but uh, Minister Val Williams who's a couple of years ago she was talking at my church and she was talking about um, working with some scientists who picked her up randomly took her to a laboratory where she was blindfolded and she gave a series of messages as they came to her. And they came in the order that the scientists had asked them for them. And it shows that the spirit world were working with these scientists. There are, have been a number of efforts over the years to investigate very good mediums and the phenomena just wasn't produced. And this is where a lot of the mediums then faked it and they the reason the phenomena wasn't produced is because the spirit world knew the bias of the scientists and were giving them nothing. So there's got to be this union between science, the spirit world and the medium. And if one of them hasn't got the best intentions, the spirit world are not going to work with them. So it's kind of left a, a funny taste in spiritualism's mouth for a while because, you know, we've been begging the scientific community to take us seriously and they haven't done now they are like I say the next generation is going to have an enormous opportunity to really we, we all want it to happen in our lifetime but I do believe our children you know armed with the technology they're going to be armed with but also because of the work we're doing now they'll have the confidence to be in, in take mediumship somewhere we can't even dream of not so caught up in trying to look for the human adding winks 
perceive ourselves as solid, although we're not, we're energy frequency and vibration. If they're not some sort of research that's being done where they're looking through sound and frequency and where the different patterns and difference changes. So we're not saying, you know, here's human form and spirit are over there wherever you perceive them to be. We're just looking at change in frequency, therefore we've got different <coughs> dimensions and yet it's all together at the same time in different ways. Um, I think a lot of that has been done, but it's in the hands of top secret organisations. Um, I think we, yeah, if, you, if you're wondering why all that research was done in the late 18, early 1900s, it's because it's top secret and it's got some bureaucratic stamp on it. And if anyone talks about it, they're breaking their official secrets act or something, you know. I think, so when I first started working with Spirit and, and I've got my little shopping list, what do they look like, what do they do for a living, blah, blah, blah. It, it wasn't until I just put that to one side and, and just linked with love, linked with the love of a grandmother. Not look what she looked like. The first link was that love between her and her grandchild on the earth and then everything flowed from that. So I'd love to give a very specific answer to that, but I don't think you can really write down the frequency of love. It's just something you've got in your heart and everything flows from that. So we could try to put, you know, um, different brain waves. You've got alpha, beta, gamma, and you've got these wonderful machines that can measure brain patterns as a medium is working. And I know there's some wonderful people working with that right now, especially with um, altered states of consciousness. They're measuring the, the vibration, of the, the level of vibration the person's brainwaves are at while they're in that state. And they're watching mediums work in that way. And it's giving us this, this new science that we can add to it. But ultimately, um, all the technology in the world, all it can do is show what a medium can do. The medium's got to go on a personal human journey to arrive at and um, all the talk of frequencies, it's, it kind of, because when you, people get very um, sensitive to, oh, um, so my frequency wasn't as low. If I can get it a bit lower, so if you get it any lower, you'd be asleep. You know, it's, we, we want to be awake and present and able to understand what we're doing. The technology can show us what frequency our brain's working at, but the spirit world are far more intelligent we are and if they want to get a communication through they can do it at any level and every any frequency like um, someone was talking earlier we're talking about um, guidance from the spirit world and guidance from our ancestors but what about guidance from mother nature itself you know the, the druids stood in groves in trees and um, uh, I've, I find if I'm in the bath or shower ideas come to me that weren't coming to me any other time. Something to do with the water that we're in. So it's studying all these different frequencies, the frequency of earth, water, air, they're all changeable, but that experience that you have, it doesn't matter about the frequency you're on. It just matters that your heart is open to it, you know? Because I, I really wanted to find a scale and go, that's mediumship there, but I never found one that works. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Stephen. We're going to have a quick break because we are overrunning a wee bit. So, say 10 minutes, everybody, and then I'm back in.